Hello and welcome back to the third place and happy Halloween. This is the second Halloween episode of the third place. And we're continuing from last year uh, where last year we did Resident Evil 4. And now we're going backwards in the series and going back to the original PS1 trilogy. And I am joined by someone very special, someone who you've probably heard on various pods or seen his wonderful photography work on American Bulgaria or in the various uh, events scattered around like New York City and whatnot. It is the lovely Matthew. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. Thank you for that lovely intro. Oh, of course. I I genuinely love seeing your work. Um, like as someone who had a brief fleeting moment with photography as a like an interest and maybe as like, oh, I want to do this for my life. Um, it's genuinely cool to see like all your work, like from your like stuff simple as the sort of TPN inspired unofficial photography you've done of like aromatics and all the various scents on the show or most recently to your work with uh adam lair at his concert uh just was it last night or two nights ago um like i gen you you have such a like a really cool style and i am whenever i see your stuff pop up it always brings a smile to my face love it thank you i i appreciate that i i love being um i just like i like hearing the praise you know i I, i'll do i do what i do and then it's cool just to like get that feedback and encouragement so oh um, yeah makes me makes me want to keep going uh, no please do i i think you generally are talented and do great stuff i mean i've seen your your work i saw your work in American Bulgaria. I was like, okay, like this is awesome. Like <laughs> we were pushing uh, we were pushing the envelope in that one. Oh yeah. If you've <laughs> read the magazine, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> it's so funny. Every time it's been mentioned on a podcast, we don't it's never explained exactly what the photos are. <laughs> everyone's like, especially yeah. the gays, they're all like Whoa, Matthew! I loved those photos in that magazine. <laughs> I love that specific one on, and like towards the middle section of the new of the magazine. I wonder what it could be. Yeah, you could just uh, got a. I I wonder. I I don't know if he still has it for sale, but um, <laughs> or you have to go cop a bootleg or or somebody's secondhand copy. But you gotta get it. Gotta get it in the dark alleyway. Get that. <laughs> gotta get yep. that exclusive photo. <laughs> for real. For real. Um. But I'm overjoyed to have you on. Uh, and since you are a first timer, I will ask you the tradition, uh, traditional question of the show, which is where does Matthew's gaming history begin? You know, what what are some of your earliest memories with video games? All right. It all started um, with the GameCube that I got for Christmas, probably oh. in like. Oh, oh, two or oh, three, like right, you know, mm-hmm. soon after it came. I think, did it come out in 2000? Uh, 2000, so. 2001. Yeah. I mean, because Melee was 2001 as well, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. kind of insane to think about. It's like, oh, what the one of the first games they developed for the console. And it's like mm-hmm. one of the best fighting games of all time. Easily. Um, and so we, it, it came with like Mario Sunshine. And oh, yeah. Luigi, Luigi's Mansion, that was like mm-hmm. um, the starter games. And mm-hmm. pl- I mean, I 
I mean, if you know me, you know that I have an obsession with Mario Sunshine mm-hmm. and, and I ended up speed running it you know, oh. several years ago. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Before it was like, I mean, speed running was popular at the time, mm-hmm. um, but I made some, you know, I made some leaderboard waves like on one of the individual levels. I had a world record for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, damn, damn, you got the real credits. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was deep in it. Um, and but just going back to the earliest memories, like we would play Mario Sunshine and um Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of uh connecting to the idea of horror today. I mean, we were just little kids. Like I, you know, I'm born in 98, so I was probably mm-hmm. like, you know, five years old or four or five, and we'd play Rico Harbor. And then like the one of the first levels is like the the blooper breaks out, uh Gooper Blooper. Mm-hmm. And he would like um uh, we would play the game and then uh he would like emerge from this box or this and we would like get so scared that we would just turn <laughs> off the console oh. immediately. And like um but it was sort of fun. There was like excitement in that horror and a sort of alluding to today is that like <laughs> especially because it's not real life Mm -hmm. you know there's like that kind of adrenaline rush that you get from like being scared Mm -hmm. um so so we would like you know the cutscene would play and we turn off the console (laughs) and of course you know that the memory card didn't save anything so we just do the same thing fucking like (laughs) over and over and over until one day we're like wait let's actually try to like beat the level after you know we get scared and uh I mean, and of course, playing Luigi's Mansion mm-hmm. you know, on a smaller level, like I, I played that game in, you know, recent years just like by myself. And it's just got like a, you know, even though it's sort of wholesome, it's got a kind of creepy vibe to it. You know, yes. when you're a, when you're alone and there's because that game doesn't really have a like fleshed out soundtrack, it's like pretty bare and it's just like Luigi whistling and mm-hmm. yelp, yelping out, Mar- you know, Mario, <laughs> like... <laughs> That can kind of it's it's all in the mind. It's all like psychological. But um, just to mm-hmm. like fast forward a little bit, we had these series. Uh, we had a few games. Yes. And um, two pivotal like the big thing was like my cut. One of my cousins, uh, Sam, he was getting rid of his GameCube and all of his games because he must have been getting an Xbox or something. He was a few years older. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like you know sort of getting toward being like a you know young teenage boy you're like yeah fuck fuck this kitty shit like i need (laughs) i need an and xbox was like the ultimate you know teenage boy console and there's like a zillion like kind of random ash like shovelware type games Mm -hmm. that they have on there too like um but it's all like really with that boyish aesthetic like it's really messy and kind of gross yes Um, yes that but was he, the that was the Xbox brand back in the yeah. day. <laughs> so um and not to tangent too much but w- would you say that was sort of the brand was that was it always Microsoft or Microsoft then bought it for the 360 or uh yeah it was always a Microsoft thing it was okay. just like a a branch that they had um yeah. I think I can't remember the exact details of like who in microsoft did it but yeah they were just like the the premise was can we like make a home console like pc like thing Hmm. and 
I mean, I remember the, the they famously like unveiled it, and it was like in the shape of an an actual X. Uh, and they had. I wonder how they hit the they fit the hardware in that. You know. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I don't think they ever did, but I remember yeah. they they famously debuted it with Bill Gates and The Rock together. <laughs> it was such a late '90s, early 2000s power couple. That's, that's to, show, to show your hardcore video game box uh for the guy for the dudes <laughs> yeah uh on the <laughs> other hand we had like i mean i i absolutely you know always just in love with uh the the gamecube aesthetics and, and the y2k-ness of it and mm-hmm. i mean like excellent controller design i mean i know it would have been great for like the clicky analog sticks and stuff but still like um and the color palettes and and everything like that so my just back to the story was that my cousin Sam had he'd given us all of the GameCube games he had. Mm-hmm. And there were just some like sort of like, you know, titles that I, I'd never really heard about. I mean, I mean, we'd go to like whatever. I, I think all the games that we got were really just like what our parents would get for us. Like and they weren't, you know, they didn't know anything about video games. Mm-hmm. And yes. maybe we maybe we heard something from school and be like, oh, I. But GameCube, like, kind of, you know, getting toward the, like, later part of the 2000s, it wasn't like people were talking about what's the new, you know, the Wii came out in, like, 06 or 07. So, like, by that time, it was not, like, so we just got adorned with this knowledge of the games from what our cousin gave us. And mm. one of one of those, uh, you know, a few of those games, NBA Street Volume 2, which oh, was on the yeah. Xbox, but I'm that's a game that, like, I obsessed over even in the past few years you know quality gaming yeah um but uh so the funny part is that we got a lord of the rings game and oh, um, yes as as a kid you know I, I had no interest in lord of the rings i just like was not i i never really liked like just to say that I, I always gravitated toward the Nintendo like clean aesthetics and, and that's why I love the Y2K stuff. It's like mm-hmm. Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion, these had these like, you know, slick 3D animation that and like, you know, something like Lord of the Rings, it was too like messy looking for me. Not even mm-hmm. the game, but just like the aesthetics of the, the movies and stuff. It's yes. um so we ended up trading this game to a family friend mm-hmm. who I haven't seen since that. It was like a one of my dad's coworkers, his son. You know, we were all staying like a vacation home mm-hmm. one summer. And I, it was like the most uneven trade of all time. He was <laughs> like, oh, I was he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we because we were so we were playing Paper Mario Thousand Year Old Door. Uh, which is also like Kino. one of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were playing this on our GameCube because he had brought it, and you know, I just I love this game so much. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe we could like trade for trade for it, you know? It's <laughs> like, yeah, sure. You know, so we traded, which was like, oh my god, I just gave him garb, like he, I gave him garbage. little little shit, and he gave me a diamond. You know, it was just. <laughs> And um, yeah, we, <laughs> we played so much Paper Mario and especially because it's such a long game, too. Yes. Um, but there's so like to 100 percent. it. I mean, there's so much replay value there. And 
and the story and the and the aesthetics and i'd never really played an rpg game before and that was just like a real um amazing you know experience so um that was that's sort of like what i remember and then Mm -hmm. you know i transitioned to the wii and and i'll fast forward through this through the last that's all right um I you know we got the Wii in 07 everybody loved Wii sports and 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 whatnot um but it funny enough I actually ended up like my brother when he got to probably like freshman year of high school he's a he's like three years older than me mm-hmm. um he you know he's a musician and you know I, I he probably got like wind from a friend or people at school that like they were all playing Call of Duty yes. So he's yeah. like, oh, man, I should get Call of Duty. And oh, another another few games we loved on the GameCube, like thinking about my brothers. He loves Super Monkey Ball. Oh, man, I love him already. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he he was not. You know, my brother wasn't like, oh, man, now now I'm thinking about all these other memories. And yeah, he just if unlocked we're, it. If we're, you know, if you let me indulge. Oh, please. I am my, all for this show is all about indulging my reveries. Yeah, yeah. so. um you just reminded me of like when we were even younger, probably around the GameCube time, my, my brother had gotten a Game Boy Advance with without mm-hmm. the backlight. Ooh. And my brother would play this. Yeah. Super huh? old. Like he yeah. <laughs> just like hunched over trying to make sure that that thing is like barely illuminated. <laughs> no, no one understands or remembers because they remember the they remember the SP that had a backlight on it. They don't remember that the, the first Game Boy Advance had no backlight. So good luck trying to like do the sneak the, that in the dark. Oh yeah. Like it ain't working. You know, no. you gotta, you gotta buy that attachment light that like dro- <laughs> droops over your little screen. Yeah. It's um, yeah. But uh, he, my brother, like, you know, he was obsessed with games when mm-hmm. we were younger um, and he had this Game Boy Advance and he'd play like, you know, Super Mario World and stuff like that on mm-hmm. it. Um, but apparently like he would get when he would lose, he would get really angry. <laughs> and my parents, my parents were like not having any of this because they were like, you know, he's not like interacting. He de- he doesn't like want to go outside like all he does. He's just obsessed and wants to play this game. And <laughs> also also, you know having bad behavior with it so they took it from him and they hate it oh so we you know i feel like an early part of our childhood was just like always thinking about like where could this thing be (laughs) and it wasn't until like literally like maybe 2016 where i finally asked i was like hey whatever whatever happened in the game boy and they're (laughs) like and my dad's like um because I had a memory it was in my mom's closet in this like little um, in like one of her like little shoe boxes or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember finding it there once and they probably hit it again. And so I asked him like 26. I was like, we were sitting at dinner. I was like, whatever happened to this? And this is still the same house I grew up in. So yeah. uh, I he was like, oh, I think I put it in the storage room on top of the cabinet. And what do you fucking know? I go down there and like literally, you know, probably like 14, 13 or 14 years later, it's there covered oh. in covered in dust, you know, undisturbed. And it turns on too. Oh man. What yes. that is beautiful. Yeah. So 
I I played a little bit of that and um you know I mean some of those fucking older games are really difficult and like unrelenting about you know mm. if you if you die like there's no checkpoint it's just like just fucking start over yeah you got to get good bucko you, yeah you, uh, a lost <laughs> art in the day of quick saving and all that stuff it, yeah you you truly instant gratification of you know, oh, sorts, and yeah. But it was perfect for a handheld because you could just be like taking it wherever and be like, well, I died. Start time to start over again. Yeah, like yeah. it's uh, it's a lost uh, experience, I feel like. But I I love your GameCube reference. I still think the GameCube is the coolest Nintendo system, even if it is ridiculed for calling being called the lunchbox. Um, <laughs> I, I think there I feel like some... that's more of an asset than it is like a takeaway. I mean, I could see that. I mean, you could it's take portable. It, yeah, you could take it wherever. Uh, yeah. It was nice, compact little cube, and I, I always have a soft spot for it because it that was like the console Nintendo tried to like be more for like older, older kids and teenagers. Yeah, yeah. So you would get like you know mentioning tonight's theme uh resident evil like was briefly exclusive to the gamecube um you had games like eternal darkness that were just like straight up horror games on it you had stuff like fatal frame and i know you i knew your reverence for sunshine as i think even though i prefer like galaxy and 64 i still really dig the atmosphere of sunshine it's just this like it's that like clear plastic watery like early 2000s y2k like i always have a soft spot for like that that look and the gamecube seemed to be like just fully immersed in it i mean the gamecube's code name was dolphin which is very fitting yes Um, yeah for sure I, I always will hold like a little soft spot for the GameCube just just for that because it had some genuinely cool things on it like Metroid Prime also for example is a really cool game. Oh yeah. Um, I say this here with my one GameCube controller just messing around with it because whatever <laughs> whatever Jap whatever Japanese man was just like we want to make sure that like certain things have like a really distinct sound and. Mm. the the sticks on the gamecube controller are just so distinct sounding to me and absolutely it's not that uh sort of smooth. muted clicky sound yeah it's, yeah, it's more of that the, it's this like crunchy like <laughs> clacking and then also like i think you said the the clicky the clicky trigger buttons like the it's it it's springy yeah it it uh itches a part of my you know ape brain it's like <laughs> i like this but um just to briefly finish the the second part of the history is that mm. I got the Wii. You know, I uh, I have good memories of like playing Galaxy with my next door neighbor, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, I'll forever love Mario Sunshine, but obviously it's a flawed game in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. and Galaxy is way more complete just from like a conceptual standpoint, and and also just like the range of you know of gaming of like the types of stages and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But um we so oh I was talking about my brother and him playing Call of Duty is that 
you know, when he was like in eighth grade or like ninth grade, he bought Modern Warfare Reflex on the Wii. Oh, you know? yes, yes. Yeah, um, which is COD 4. And he played it for like maybe like two days. And then I fucking took over. <laughs> um, and that was like huge. That was just a huge part of my like, mm-hmm. you know, teenage years was that's how I got into like, I had a YouTube channel and I would record myself playing Call of Duty and there was a whole online community. Mm-hmm. And then that led into like trick shotting and getting oh. into like call, call of Duty trick shotting and, you know, phase clan and all that stuff. But it was really interesting for me because I did it on the Wii and, you know, the Wii infamously had like horrible graphics. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, it did. So, but it also kind of like led me to a really, um interesting community of people because it's like you have to think about the type of person like the type of person who owns a Wii is going to be like a special type of person you know so so to speak it's like you know your typical teenage boy is going to have an xbox or a ps3 but like not you know you're more like wholesome person like kid <laughs> is going to have like a Wii. So I actually have a lot of friends like, and I still keep in touch with that. We used to play on the Wii together. Mm-hmm. And then this like led to the Wii U. Um, and like also around this time, like, cause that had its heyday, which was basically like 2011 to like 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. That was sort of that range of, you know, the hype hype culture of trick shotting until they all transitioned to vlogger channels and yes. just trying to make ad revenue. And it, yeah, I'm glad that there is one person as a guest on the show that also has that distinct moment in their life, too. Albeit, I never did that, but I had a friend of mine in in high school where he he grew up in a house where they didn't have a game console and I think I sl- I corrupted him and I was like, you need to get Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and you need to get Battlefield Bad Company 2. Mm, those are huge, yeah. yeah. And then he got a PS3 and then like a, f- a month later he made we, we jokingly we were over at his house or one of our friend's house and we had him narrate a, like a like a session of gameplay and put it up on a YouTube channel. <laughs> and then, then not like a month later, he like was doing what you said, like the montages and trick shotting. Like he yeah. made his own thing like that. And I was like, Oh my God, I, cor- I corrupted like this innocent, like, you know, <laughs> teenager into gaming. You and... changed like the whole trajectory of his life. Yes. And it was like, is this the power that I hold like as a (laughs) a 15 year old? Like what is going on here? But I, yeah, that, that was def you, you're around my age. So like, I would say anyone between the ages of like 24 to like 30, like call of duty was the moment and it was everything. And you, if you weren't there, you were getting left behind. And yeah. you you had to be a part of that like really large social event between all the guys at school. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it, I don't know what the Zoomers are doing nowadays like, with like Fortnite, I guess, is their closest thing. But that just seems like so bad. Well, like, it, it's a whole different landscape of 
all these kind of free games that they have, like like <laughs> what is it like Valorant or like Apex? Yes, or, yes, yes. I mean, all that is it's like literal made up Chinese like propaganda <laughs> to me like it's it's literally like oh you should start you know gooning and edging and start playing you know valorant or you know <laughs> donate all your money to uh, uh like some e-girl on, on twitch or some shit like that mm -hmm. but um i mean call of duty was like for sure i was not obsessed with like you know, we thought about what the new game was, but it was just for us. It was just like about hitting a shot or, mm -hmm. or getting a, a kill a feed. And like we would, bro, I would get home from school like we'd be on Skype for Skype. This is before Discord and yes. no offense to anybody, but I fucking hate Discord because I just <laughs> am not used to that. Like I love the individuality of Skype where it's like you had a person as a contact yeah, like it's almost like you had it's almost like you had their phone number. And when you made a group chat, it's like everybody in the fucking chat knows each other and mm. not this server bullshit where it's just like I get thrown in a chat with like 300 random fucking people. And the conversation is never cohesive. We don't know each other enough. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we would be on a call for like eight hours, like a day recording, mm -hmm. hitting clips, whatever. And um, that sort of fell out and. But I picked up around probably like 2014, I picked up Sunshine because I don't know if you've ever reached that point where you've like you've 100% beat a game or you just like played it a lot. And then I was just like, well, what's the next step? You got a speed the run. Ne the next step is like, oh, I, I know this game like the back of my hand. Now I got to beat it as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've been there before. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> specifically with Resident Evil, I've <laughs> I've been there before. It's uh, tough though because, like, I can imagine. I'd thought about a few times, you know, prepare, you know, thinking about this for the podcast is like, would that kill the magic of the game if you like started speed running it? You know, we'll get into it. I actually don't think it does. I think that they encourage it uh, because the first time you play through is like figuring it out. And then as you play the game, you get better with it and you get better weapons. And so by the end of it, you feel like a superhero. Yeah. But <clears throat> then you can come back to the game and be like, okay, I can go faster now. Like I know I'm not a scared little wimp anymore, but yeah, I'll save that for later. But yeah. I, I, for you, that was sunshine for me. I've done that with like resident evil four five i've done it with the recent remakes of resident evil like Res resident evil is like that that's a game franchise that just itches part of my monkey brain and it feels good to like see the number go down and be like all right yeah. I'm, I'm making progress yeah it's uh it's the the male drive to find some level of like challenge when the on paper a game's challenge has been wiped out because you've done everything technically yep. what it's asking of you yeah like how can we push this even further because <laughs> uh, theoretically it's like that's how you basically max out or break the game yes uh yeah, i i have seen my fair share of mario like people learning how to glitch through things and absolutely destroying yeah game. and in the process i'm sure many japanese men have like lost pulled their hair i'll be like 
how'd they find this like 20 years later like (laughs) well oh um sorry that that just reminded me like the last thing i got i would say probably the last part of my gaming history because um and up until actually resident evil probably uh, was it during college I was like obsessed with melee mm-hmm. um like I played brawl as a kid um I played a bit of melee like just by myself but when I was in college I got like really into competitive melee mm-hmm. and um I mean I never took it like all mm-hmm. the way or anything but it was that same mentality with the like the speed running it's like okay well how do we how do we take this to the next level? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there had been developments uh, with Melee, like the advent of net play where you could play online with people mm-hmm. uh, because it's, you know, that's that was typically a LAN type of fighting game. But um, just breaking the mechanics and all the it's so fucking fast pace and the mm-hmm. the wave dashing and, the you know, I don't like I loved and I. I think I apply this to like other things, you know, I, I love in basketball, you know, flashy, you know, play. That's yes. why I love NBA street. I loved in trick shotting. I loved, you know, um, like doing cool tricks mm-hmm. uh, and speed running. I loved like, you know, just seeing the swag and beating the game as fast as possible. So it's like that same really fast paced nature of it. I love that about melee. And also mm-hmm. it's like, that type of fighting game is literally it's like you're playing that you know some people describe it it's like uh rock paper scissors shoe combined with like chess mm-hmm. Wh- mm-hmm. where when you're approaching your enemy like uh your opponent you have to it's a you have to play like a game of rock paper scissors shoe yes yeah, you have to guess, are they going to dash back? Are they going to shield? Are they going to attack me? And sometimes, like, you just don't know. Like, you could guess based on their habits, but some of it's just, a, like, a guessing game. Yes. And then on top of that, it's, like, chess, where you have to think, like, three moves ahead. It's like, <laughs> oh, if they do this, then I have to do that. And then yeah. this and then that, you know. Um, I I played a bit of it. Um, I would just, like, fucking... I was blowing off my work at school, and I would just, like playing this game <laughs> i would no, not talk to anybody I'd just go home and just fucking play this game and it would get me so like when i lose i get so fucking angry i would like get up and start yelling and i was just like why am i doing this to myself so i <laughs> that literally reached a point where i had to like just uninstall it and just like put the controller somewhere else um you were you were this close to having a heated gamer moment no i <laughs> and um Anyway, I know I'm doing a lot of blabbing, but the, no, it no, basically it basically brought us to um, the modern day. Well, the modern day, which was like a year, probably like a year or almost two years ago. Um, you know, Rachel growing up like, I, you know, I came from like the Nintendo sort of like. Look, I didn't have a I didn't have like a wide uh, gamer palette. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. Uh, but she like ha- had developed tastes like originally from her ho- older brother mm-hmm. and like, you know, she got all, I mean, she has like, you should be talking to her right now. I don't know why I'm on this podcast because, <laughs> well, like, technically I will be talking to her well, soon. soon. Wink, wink. Like, you know, she played all the like 
as a kid, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, you know, um, I don't know, Fatal Frame, like, she's, you know, you. <clears throat> she's got a nice palette of horror games. Exactly. And she and she loves horror movies and all that type of stuff. So <clears throat> um, she had thought one day, like a year or two ago, like, oh, let's get, um, you know, I really want to get a PS2 again. Uh, mm-hmm. And just one day we, you know, pulled the trigger on it. And uh, went to the local retro game store, and she picked out um, Resident Evil Director's Cut. Uh huh. And it was like fucking like a hundred dollars, and I'm like, why yeah. are we why, <laughs> why are we buying this hundred dollar game, which I knew nothing about? You know, I I've heard of Resident Evil, but like I didn't know anything about it. Yes, um, yes. Because I was just I led a, a sheltered life of of gaming. Like I found you know what I liked. And I had an autistic obsession with it. And then I just rode that out. Fine. That's and that is completely fair. And that is valid. I, you know, you find your niche and you ride, you ride that niche until it just like, you just have enough. Yeah. But yeah, I, I saw you playing it. I was like, huh, what if I were to snatch Matthew up to do this (laughs) uh, one day in the future? Uh, but I will say, Rachel, you were, far... you were grooming. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, play more Resident Evil. <laughs> the, the stars are aligning. Uh, uh, I would say uh, on a side note, Rachel, as far as I'm concerned, she's like probably the first official gamer girl. Uh, no, like she's she, le- she, she she's gets the pass. A gamer girl. Yeah, yeah no, she, I, she gets the pass. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, she she's done her. She's done the work and uh to the listeners at home, she's definitely not coming up extremely soon on the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll see potentially where she falls in line. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. But I, I loved hearing this all. Like I, I've said it before, but I genuinely love hearing everyone's little story because it's all everyone's got their own story and yeah, they got their own sort of like where it begins and seeing what games just kind of gravitate to and also you get to potentially in your case like hear sides of gaming that you know not many people talk about but i'm sure someone can relate to it i mean briefly to go off of it it's like i remember in college there was the melee club like Mm. i was never in it but like melee was still ever present in like you know late teens early 20s college guys like yeah it was still like a secret club, uh, as it were. And mind you, I've also seen like quote unquote professional melee players, and it re- that uh, if mental institutions were a bigger thing, I think melee pro melee players might be in that. Like, <laughs> I've never seen a group of people like be that clinically insane playing a video game, but that I mean. That's honestly all pro players in general, but I have watched a handful of melee competitions in my time, and it's honestly the most thrilling sporting event around. I'm not, I'm not even fucking exaggerating. It's like mm-hmm. I've watched, you know, like you know, Mango and Grand Finals, and like yep. I'm not even fucking playing. And I know people get this from like you know basketball or football or something, but there's something about the like it's solo it's fighting it's competitive because like when you watch boxing or something i'm just like it is what it is yeah. <laughs> yes but, exactly but like because it's so fucking fast paced and you have to be such a quick 
instinctive decision maker. Like I've watched finals and I'm literally like shaking in my chair. Like my heart's going to beat out of my chest. Cause I'm just so like invested in what's going to happen. Like it just, it is really so thrilling to watch. It's, mm. it's a great esport. If any, if any listener wants to see a genuine, might be my personal favorite pro melee moment, it's the Hungry Box Finals match. Absolutely. Of, from 2016, 17, 18, I can't remember the exact The one with year. Armada where he wins? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which, you know, it's doubly crazy because that man mains Jigglypuff, which is... Uh, really just like a funny image be like oh yeah this guy plays a character <laughs> jigglypuff character yeah. yeah this goofy little pink blob that's yeah. like oh god but thank you very much for sharing your history i loved every second of hearing it there um but because this is the halloween episode let's transition into so, talking about horror games now I would say that horror games are a very fascinating genre because they play to the strengths of this medium, which is interaction and interactivity. And you see, and whatever a developer gets it, they do a different spin on it. You know, Resident Evil, you know, for example, is a very established take on the formula, but there are very there are different ways of approaching horror it could be something like you were mentioning it could just be a horror like a horror inducing moment randomly in one game out of the blue and it just terrifies you at you know (laughs) scares the you know life out of you because you didn't expect it and you know you're the one who like more or less caused it and are interacting with it i can think of in mario 64 there's like the creepy ass pet piano that's like slamming and like run you know mumbling around in the in one room it's like there's a collective like conscious memory people have it's like oh yeah i just walked straight out of that room i was like i can't deal with that (laughs) um but yeah horror games survival horror whatever you want to call them like there's a there's a different one there's a different take on the idea in many ways like you have Silent Hill, you know, being more psychological. You have like Fatal Frame, where the whole point of the game is literally making you get right in front of like ghosts and taking pictures of patient. them. Yeah. <clears throat> you have, you know, another GameCube game, Eternal Darkness, where that game is purposely messing with you by like changing the game on the fly with a thing called the sanity meter. Where uh, if your character gets too scared, suddenly, oh yeah, the game makes it think that your your TV input switched on you, or the game just turned the volume down by itself. Like it feels like there's a cursed game or something in your console. That's crazy. Uh, it's um, yeah, horror is a very cool medium in gaming. I mean, I don't know if you had any personal opinions as someone who's pretty recently introduced to like survival horror as a concept yeah no i just thought it was like super interesting that i'm kind of like on this episode Mm -hmm. because and and maybe why i might be a good guest because i i don't have like a huge history Mm -hmm. with the genre um and not jumping too far to resident evil but like um and also you know thinking about the playstation like a console meant for adults and, you know, I'm playing this like 
you know, fucking 20 years later or more. Um, but it was still like so many parts of the game were genuinely frightening to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, just to like think about the concept of horror and games, like I think there's that added level when you're watching a movie, like you're passively. Well, it's like it's predetermined. Mm-hmm. Like whether you are looking at it or not, the movie's going to run and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And honestly, like, most um most horror movies right like mm-hmm. aren't constantly scary yes it's, like a lot of horror movies will actually just have like random like i'm just thinking about the classic horror like friday the 13th it's like oh let's have all this like uh establishing about we're at a camp and these you know these teens are horny and yeah. then it's like and then it's like oh then the killings come and like you know, we're just watching happen. But, you know, in these horror, like survival horror games, um, which of them I've only played like a little bit of Fatal Frame, the first mm-hmm. three Resident Evils. Um, but like there's just that like you have to face like if you want to get through the game, you, you have, have to... to face the sca- like the horror. <laughs> yeah, you because gotta face other- your fears. Absolutely, because otherwise, just fucking turn off the game and play something else. Like nobody's making you play it. But yes. like, if you're <laughs> interested in what's going to happen, and look, there's going to be a balance, right? I I don't know if it would be enjoyable if it was like total terror the whole time. Like, there's got to be reprieve somewhere where yes, you, you know, you you feel comfort. Like when you get to that save room and you hear that theme, and you're like. Mm-hmm. I'm safe now, and then I have to go back out and and face my fears. Yeah, it, I think gaming and horror, like, I'm surprised. I feel like the genre didn't really, or it couldn't establish itself until it got like visually close enough to which we as humans can be like, that's a human being. Uh, like that's why i think the playstation was like the perfect console to bring forth this sort of brand new genre because there had been like certain attempts at horror like specifically there was a game called alone in the dark uh Mm. which in many ways was like the predecessor to resident evil but like it was primitive early 90s pc 3d graphics so there was a little bit of like too much disconnect between people and the game so they're just like oh yeah it's got a little spooky energy but it's you know it's not there just yet but now you get to the playstation it's like oh there's there's people talking like these are real character people i'm controlling like i'm i'm the one keeping them alive now Mm -hmm. uh or i mean i feel like as games have gotten way 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 more advanced you get now introduced to like even more possibilities or just more horrifying visuals i mean this past weekend in the few uh moments i've had to my free time i've been playing alan wake 2 which is like a psychological a brand new psychological horror game where like randomly the game will just like have these very creepy like david lynch just like split second jump scares just to keep you on edge and you can't predict it 
it's just like oh yep there's just this like screaming face that just flashes <laughs> on screen and I, yeah. I have nothing to do about it and the game actively because you play as a writer and your your writing turns changes the world itself and it's like oh i can change this plot beat from like an fbi investigation into a a a cult's ritualistic killing area and suddenly now the world is way more you know filled with red you know really you know scary red lighting and you know you can hear people screaming in the distance like it's a it's the weird sort of balance where it's like horror games like they give you enough control where you feel like you can do it but at the same time they throw obstacles at you be like all right like you you're in this tiny little corridor and you don't have many bullets try mm. to figure out how to you know get through this one yeah. um there there's so many great horror games and they all do something different like you could have something like dead space which is just like pure adrenaline you know facing these like discreet you know grotesque aliens in, in a, a you know uh aliens type spaceship in or you could literally have an aliens inspired game with alien isolation where you're it's it's you versus an alien uh chasing you throughout a space station and you have to all you can do is hide hmm. you you have no means of fighting back uh i the games are seemingly full of possibilities with the genre and it's like peanut butter and chocolate i guess you could say you know horror and gaming as a as like a marriage what uh, do you th- what do you think of like something like uh what's that game like doki doki literature club i've actually so i've never played that i of course have seen that game time and time again just because it was like the hot you know the hot discussion discussion topic like years ago i just only know about the like installing the files uh part the part of the game where it like goes onto your computer and like starts downloading random shit or whatever I see I think that's cool like when games kind of break the sort the I guess you could call it the fourth wall and I think that's really cool because games are literally just strings of code yeah and you're you're playing a a string of code and the string of code seems to now have a mind of itself mind of its own Hmm. and that adds to that helplessness feeling I the 2010s were full of these sort of game. I mean, they're not necessarily like Doki Doki, but these sort of smaller, more like intense, you know, brief moments of terror in gaming, like because it's in the news right now, the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, was like a burnt came out of this sort of like renaissance of just like, you know, is that a good game? Um, It's solid. Like, it's if you are willing to put up with jump scares like it's fine and dandy i mean it it is a cool like knowing about it is very cool like it was made by one guy it was made by a guy who was like a very just like he was a i think he's like a a dad and he's you know he's a firm like christian and all that and he just made these horror game this like horror game franchise that 
millions of people played and then you know he got to have the last laugh while like of course liberals kicked him out of his own franchise <laughs> but now he makes millions off of it just because everyone keeps buying it and i'm like yeah you know he no matter how many people will like decry him for just being like some stay-at-home dad who just you know goes to church you know he gets to have like all these residual checks coming in sounds pretty lit yeah i mean people the fact that that guy in like in the span of 10 years got to see his creation get like a a major blockbuster release i think mm. like i i would be if i was in his shoes i'd be like you know i i made it like yeah <laughs> I, I, i've made i've fully completed my circle like uh but yeah the Doki Doki is like a good example of just a game kind of going outside of its the perceived like a game is only a game it's contained in the software sort of thing yeah. uh, even though it's not a horror game Metal Gear Solid 1 has like moments like this or Metal Gear Solid as a franchise has moments like this where it's it's kind of like making you scared about what's happening I mean Famously, in the first game, there's a boss character that can read your memory card mm. and will address you directly, saying, like, oh, you like Castlevania, don't you? Um, <laughs> and he that would make fuck with me, yeah. <clears throat> and he would make your because you know the controller had vibrate vibration in it. He'd be like, All right, I'm gonna, you know, make your controller vibrate on its own. And it's like it's as an adult, you're just like, Oh, okay, you know. I, no, I, but I, no, but even the idea of that sounds pretty scary. Is like, oh. imagine something being out of your control, mm -hmm. and you're just trying to play the game, and you're like, the only way to, the only way to end it is like to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, and the satanic only ass console. And <laughs> then the only way to beat him without like cheesing the game is that you have to plug the controller into the second controller port mm. uh, because he can quote read your mind. Uh, if it's in the first controller port. Um, that's, that's fucking wild. And then Metal Gear Solid 2 has like a character who has more or less has like a psychotic breakdown and reveals that he's a AI program and he starts, you know, just directly addressing the player of like, Raiden, you've been playing the game too long. Turn off the console right now. And like this weird, creepy robotic distorted voice with like a skull overlay on its face i'm nah, like just, that's uh, i'm getting scared right now it's <laughs> i'm not even being sarcastic that sounds uh, fucking creepy yeah i mean you know we're talking specifically about like horror games but when a game has its moments where it wants to terrify a player and it does it in a way that it's not just like I hate to say, I don't mean this like in a negative way, but it's like kind of doing by the books. When it's doing something unique, then it really sticks with you. Yeah. Um, and I think it all kind of ties back to that idea is that you're in control. And in a game, you're under the assumption that you're always in control. Like without my inputs and without my movements, the, the game can't happen. Yeah. But now suddenly the game is fully addressing you as like as a part of the experience.
And it leaves you helpless in many ways. And suddenly your one final security blanket is gone. Yeah. It's like I, I'm at I'm at the whim of this like string of code. It's like all the all the like doomsday prof you know prophecies of like Y2K, like you know, I technology I, controlling humans. It's like that's what it's sounding like. It's literally like you have to because no one's no one's like coercing you or forcing you to play the game, but it's like but it's also like if you want to play the game, you have to like abide by whatever it's telling you to do. Yes. And I mean, heck, this even can go to like simpler moments that are just like they happen out of the blue. I mean, again, I don't mean to jump the gun a little bit, but it's like when Resident Evil 1 and you have the dogs jumping through the windows. Mm. Like it's it's a small little scene in in hindsight, but the fact that you think this hallway is safe and then suddenly it's not. You know, the the game is like one step ahead of you, you know, kind of going back to your rock, papers, scissors uh analogy of melee. The game is now ahead, now one step ahead of you. And mm. I don't know, for me as a gamer, I like to have a little bit of like, oh yeah, I'm in control. I'm already planning my route out. I'm already thinking about how do I manage a situation and suddenly games like, nope, have fun. <laughs> uh, there's... Yeah, this game, I'm surprised. I, I guess I understand why games and horror just kind of like go together so well. And it doesn't even have to exclusively be like in the genre per se. Yeah. Like I, I think of, um, I'm certain you've heard of the franchise Max Payne probably. Yeah. I think I have number two, but I haven't played it yet. in, In the first game, there's a sequence at the, like a few times in the game where you control your character in his own nightmares and you are basically trapped in this like black void with blood trails leading you down. And all you hear is just your, your dead daughter crying over and over again. it's like, that's unnerving for a game. That's trying to be like a John Woo film, Mm -hmm. like a action movie. And suddenly just throws this like horrifying little set piece moment. It's like, Oh wow. Like I'm, this isn't what I signed up for sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, it's like the inverse of um, when you're watching drama, like sometimes when you're watching serious or drama TV, like the funniest, you know, scene you've ever, like there would just be the funniest, you know, scene you've ever saw mm -hmm. um, because there's that like tension and release. And probably conversely, it's like, when there's no context to to the creepy or scariness, that's probably got to fuck with you quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, opposed to like if you were expecting something. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, to kind of loop all the way back to like what you were saying about like uh, you know your Nintendo heritage. I will say Nintendo when they when they want to like throw in a moment that just like wants you helpless it kind of hits you out of left field mm. and it and it's super effective too i mean like majora's mask like seeing that creepy moon in the sky getting closer and closer 
Mm. Like knowing that your imminent doom is about to happen and you can't change that. It's, it's effective. Like um, games when they want to sort of put you as the helpless little character, but give you enough to overcome said obstacles. It's, I think it's more, more thrilling than maybe a movie can. Now I'm not going to hear, sit here and say like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, every Halloween you should just be playing a horror game. Like, no, enjoy your movies and whatnot. But no, it's a unique experience though. Yeah. And yeah. And it benefits, it, it plays to the literal unique aspect of games, which is just interaction and, and being, being that, that force driving an experience forward, you know, I mean, in, even if it's something like resident evil, where, it's a very like by the books affair of you know get from point a to point b and try to figure out how to get things done yeah. you know <laughs> resident evil has its own unique very unique way of doing things sometimes in a genuine way sometimes when in like a unintentional goofy way mm. uh but yeah i uh, i even for me as someone who's a scaredy cat sometimes like i i can't deny the appeal of just like playing a game and being scared shitless <laughs> uh but yeah uh, unless you have any closing thoughts i figure we can just get right into our no that's trio games so yeah with that let's get into the first game of tonight which is So, Resident Evil first came out on March 22nd, 1996 in Japan. It came over to America a few days later. Uh, it made its debut on the PlayStation, and it's it was a remake of an old NES game uh, called Sweet Home, which was a film in Japan. Uh, this game more or less set the standard moving forward for a lot of horror games for the of that generation and people still look fondly back on this the game introduced a lot of terminology we're all accustomed to like inventory management you know typewriter savings uh survival horror literally or uh, the often maligned, but I love it, tank controls. Uh, and it had a... I have referred to Resident Evil as 
at times adorable in its malfunctioning state of certain elements, namely it's like voice acting. <laughs> uh, but it all kind of comes together in this like unique little package of a game that more or less created the genre as we know as survival horror. So I specifically wanted you on, Matthew, mostly because I saw you playing these games last year. I was like, oh, okay, like I'd like to see if he would be on the show. But also, in this day and age where Resident Evil is a literal like billion-dollar franchise where everyone has a take, you're a new perspective on the on the games. You know, you've you've never played them. And so someone having someone talk about these games with like recent eyes and without being aware of it all like is a new and interesting thing so i want to know what do you think of the first resident evil well the first game i we bought i had mentioned before we got the director's cut and mm -hmm. i'm still sort of unsure of like is that the correct version of the game to be playing because i'm pretty sure right it's just like the soundtrack and they have the arrange mode is different mm -hmm. or yeah it the director's cut basically is i think the preferred way except the soundtrack is abysmal in the director's cut yeah but uh, even i was like scared by the mm -hmm. like the second floor music mm -hmm. um and so yeah, I, I don't know. And it's funny, actually, recently I started playing the remake on the GameCube, um, like the first remake. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I obviously, and now you're just sort of making me think about the things we take for granted about the game. It's like those fixed camera angles, like what you which you don't see mm -hmm. um and also that style of of moving the controller and it's like yeah it just gets fucky it's like you're you're <laughs> ru you're running forward but you need to hold down and then it changes and you have to change mm -hmm. so you go up um all that type of stuff and yeah being adorned with the like that's a horror in itself of the inventory and the saves <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah, because... we're saving the game as a literal, like, finite resource that you have oh, yeah. to be aware of. And the fact that the game, regardless of who you play as, Chris or Jill, more so for Chris, uh, the fact that you have, like, literally a handful of items that you can carry at a time. Yep. Uh, in, the, in the remake, they made it a little bit better, where, like, they gave you defensive options and... Yeah. Like Jill has the lighter and Chris has the, I think Chris has the key if I remember, but like in the original game, it was just like, yep, you just have these inventory slots. Uh, you're not guaranteed to be able to save the game. So if you forgot to save, you lose all of your progress and you have to start over from your last save file. And hell, if you didn't save for like two hours right from the get go, you lost everything. Yeah. I mean, like it's a pretty amazing, like, um, uh clever sort of fixed pie system where it's like it's all trade-offs you know i mm. might save here just in case if i die next thing you know you fucked yourself because there's a boss coming up and you mm -hmm. save too early and it's like 
now I have to see if I can make this whole thing without mm-hmm. dying. Um, mm-hmm. Or the security of like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to carry like a next, you know, handgun and a shotgun just mm-hmm. in case I run out of bullets. Next thing mm-hmm. you know, you, you like run somewhere, you mm-hmm. got to pick up, you got to pick up an item. You don't have enough in your inventory. You got to backtrack. Then you run into a zombie. Then you die, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so that stuff was like, that was just, there's like a level of pressure and an in, in intensity with like, um, it's like a, it wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a fourth wall break, but it has that sort of element where it's like, oh no, this game is like forcing me to like have to strategize mm-hmm. more. Um, and I mean, obviously everyone re- remembers, uh, that first jump scare or like cutscene of the zombie, you know, turning his head back. Uh, iconic. Uh, yeah, I mean that. And I actually really like, which I think, you know, did they? I did. Did they do the pre-rendered background stuff in one? Yes, they did. Yeah, I think it was like you know because two and three sort of look analogous to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just visually, like. One, there's more separation. There's less detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the, yeah, the one one has this unique look because it's like the first time they did something, so it's not like perfect. Like yeah, two and two and three are like um, hyper detailed with their the pre render backgrounds, but like one has this sort of. It kind of reminds me of like a like a you know like a house that has been uh like furnitured and displayed in a perfect way Mm. and it's got this like it's real but it's not like real life look to it it's staged and exactly yeah and 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 one has that just because like they don't have the experience with this so like you'll have hallways that are just like perfectly lit with like Mm. solid color and it has this like weird othering effect or like this weird disconnect between the player and the game. It's like, I know this, like it looks like a believable mansion, but it just looks wrong on the, like just playing it. It just, it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's two and three, like they're very connected into like a real place, like in the city, Mm. And in the police station and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But one has that sort of fun house thing where it's Yeah, like, especially because oh. you're isolated like in this random mansion, mm-hmm. which like to the re- if, for the rest of this, you know, like two and three of the trilogy, it seems way more disconnected to, you know, uh to those games. So mm-hmm. I guess I would say like the style, it's not I wouldn't go as far to say like uncanny valley, but it's got, you know, just a sort of, uh, you know, I don't know. There's some sort of interest in that, in the lack of detail that your imagination sort of has to fill in for. And um, I mean, and that's sort of been like the games do a good job of occupying a space between like um, being scared not just because of like 
oh, because it's the most realistic thing looking possible. That's not mm-hmm. really the point, you know, mm-hmm. of the figure. It's like the the constraint, the technical constraints of like how the game mechanics function. Mm-hmm. No, definitely with the like audio jump scares. That's mm-hmm. like that. In two, that fucking gets me like to this day when I, mm-hmm. I've already beaten the game and it's like, yeah, I know the birds are going to fucking crash through the window here, but I don't want to watch yeah. Um, But in one, like, the biggest thing, I mean, that first cutscene, one other cutscene that sent chills down my spine was, like, when the camera, like, whips around, um, like, a corner. And I don't know if it's, like, I don't, do, they don't have, like, liquors in one, right? No, it might have been the hunters. I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know the exact cutscene you're talking about. Like, oh my god! And like, even though it's not, you know, hyper realistic, it was just like so weird to be like the this like entity is like coming to like hunt me down, and it's mm-hmm. like this kind of blocky geometric sort of thing. But this again, like the scariness is like when you're being chased. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you die, what happens? You just, you have to restart. Is that really such a big deal? No, but it's like that fear of like losing the progress and like having to do this over again and like being chased. That's like pretty horrifying to me. And and then coupled of like the limited saves, the limited inventory, it's like fucking, you know, throw me a bone. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I... <laughs> one... Compared to two and three, one feels more concentrated and more more horror-like than the other two. The the two and three definitely spruce it up with some actions like moments, yeah. um, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. But you could tell where the series was moving towards, where it wanted to be. Like one feels like a very pure experience where they focused on how do we make a player scared by gameplay yeah. you know and and maybe they had the goal of making also the story kind of you know on that level too but again uh much like how silent hill has the bizarro like interesting aspect where it's japanese developers writing about an american setting and there's a language barrier, and this was the time when like translations were not the best. So Silent Hill has this kind of othering effect, and it adds to the experience. Um, Resident Evil, uh, specifically one, has that just adorable voice acting that is quaint, but it it almost goes too far in being yeah. so weird. It's just like, oh, this was just um. Japanese developers found whatever Americans were in Japan be like want to be in our video game. Well, which also was, it's like before which... the series had like popped off, so there it could have been like the voice actors just thinking like, oh, this could just go nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, this this you know when they had a budget to make a pretty big game, but they didn't have enough nor the comprehension of like how to make it really big sort of thing. It's yeah. still in that baby, you know, like adolescent phase of trying to understand, like you're trying to tell a horror game, uh, but we don't have the resources to hire like legit actors. I think 
the the voice actress for Rebecca is like literally the woman who tra- who is like responsible for translating the script. <laughs> and I think the guy who played Barry, no, he played Barry or Wesker. Uh, they were just like he was just some guy that was in Japan at the time, and they're just like quick be in our movie or be in our game yeah um and it was just like sure and it but for me i know everyone memes upon resident evil voice acting just because there are some genuinely like unintentionally funny moments like jill sandwich and there's demons in these house ouch you know <laughs> it i will admit I would say probably back in the day that like I would probably be unnerved by like all these people acting bizarrely, even though like they're obviously trying to survive, but like maybe in a Lynchian sort of way, like yeah, I yeah. I could see it maybe just because like the I, growing up in the age of the internet and everyone was just like clowning on this, mm. like it's hard for me to just disassociate that, but that experience of playing these games is part of the charm like you endure that like you endure all that like hardship and terror of facing these zombies and spiders and snakes and plants and sharks just so you can like get this like enjoyable next part of the story yeah i mean the voice acting stuff that I never even crossed my mind or anything. Oh, but see, I, this, I see. This is why yeah. I wanted you on because, like, you don't, you don't have that baggage like I do, where it's like <laughs> everyone you have to feel and, bad, yeah, and, or like even the sorry, but even like the soundtrack thing, like maybe because I didn't experience the original soundtrack, I never thought like, oh, this is bad. I just hate that like uh video essayist like redder yeah. like type of. Oh my god, the basement song, it just was so bad. I mean, the like didn't don't you know that the guy who composed the soundtrack was actually partially deaf and then blah blah he was acting, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it it's like really, whatever really, they're whatever they're doing, I just thought this was intentional. Yeah. You know? And in in all fairness, there's only like really one egregiously like standout song on the director's cut that's like Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the basement song, uh, where it just sounds like trom, like MIDI trombone sounds, like wha- yeah, just wailing. Yeah, that's like the only bad one, in all honesty. Like quote, bad one. Like, yeah. but I've experienced both with and without the director's cut soundtrack, and honestly, it doesn't bug me either way. Yeah, like this. This was part of like you know the literal first steps about establishing a genre yeah. and for all intents and purposes like the first resident evil like is for as when it comes to establishing a formula the first resident evil did fantastically and like it's the reason why resident evil became such a mega hit was that the foundations that mattered you know, puzzle solving, item management, you know, the oh, un- yeah. the, the the unease of fixed camera angles and tank controls, like all of that worked together to make this a great experience. And 
people fell in love with it, you know, and they weren't joint, they weren't in on some like irony joke about like the goofy parts. It was like, no, this is like a terrifying experience. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you also reminded me about a huge part of why I kept going it. Cause you know, I didn't grow up with horror, like, you know, fucking Nintendo consoles. Like I let, you know, I didn't watch horror movies, et cetera, et cetera. So like, playing this game was a totally new experience for me because I'm not, I wasn't used to that feeling of like being on edge, Mm -hmm. like having a bit of adrenaline, Mm -hmm. but what always kept me going though. And that like scratched the itch for me was like the puzzle solving part. Yeah. It was like, Oh, I can, I like this because it's not just about, you know, killing a whole bunch of zombies. Like that's a part, but you could dodge them. And it's about like, you know, remembering what was where and what piece you need because it's, it's that linear progression type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, oh, you keep Sorry. No. Yeah. But that was just, uh, that was a, a huge part of it. And, um, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's also, sorry, but it's just like also go. interesting about, um, the parts in one when you when you start to move like i remember like when you start to move outside mm-hmm. and you have to cross the co- the courtyard to like get to the other part of of the mansion like sort of toward the back and and that was a really like uh the game like the jump scares aren't necessarily like entirely random but there's a bit of like you know fun mm-hmm. when you're like you're outside that was always interesting it's like when you're outside you would think like you're gonna get got mm-hmm. but it's actually like when you're inside is like when the bad things happen mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it, it play it Re- resident evil one it plays it plays very by the books but it doesn't mean it is like you could see things coming like it knows how to play with your expectations of like oh yeah like you're in the outside we're gonna like get you good here it's like no the outside is purely to like build atmosphere and Mm. build this sense of like you're trapped in this location and even going outside is not going to help you and this is something that the remake actually did even better where it just kind of expanded on the area and then it also added the Lisa Trevor segment of that game, which is amazing. Uh, If I don't have you played the remake. Yeah. I'm well, I got like halfway through. Yeah. I would say if, if you have no means to get a PS one copy of this game, like give the remake a shot because the remake's fantastic. Uh, I'm still blown away by like how remake looks like, Remake one is like arguably one of the most beautiful thing, like visually beautiful games I've no, ever I, seen. No, I had to stop because I was like too, I was it, too scared. <laughs> yeah, and and what's it, what's amazing is like, and this is something like unique to Resident Evil is like Resident Evil can remake any game in its franchise, and it's like a new and interesting and experience, like amazing experience. Oh yeah. yeah, it's not it's not purely just like oh the aesthetic update. It's like there's ch- something's changed about you know the mechanic mm-hmm. has changed or 
the route that you're supposed to do is changed or whatever. Yeah, they they switch puzzle locations around. They change some room layouts around. They add some stuff that only is there to actually like add to the experience. And another thing too, <clears throat> you were saying like how as playing the original, you you're just like yeah, this is what they wanted. This is what they intended. And I feel like the remake is like in a sense of like what it felt like for so many people playing it on the PS one. It's just like, this is what I thought was I, what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Like it from the gameplay to the visuals and aesthetics, like the remake is, I, I don't want to get too much into the remake, but I will say that the remake is amazing. Uh, I will. Uh, here's a quick question. Who did you prefer more playing as Chris or Jill? Or did you just only play as one character? I only played as uh, Jill. I like played through and then I was just sort of, I just sort of thought like, Oh, I don't, think there's anything different if i played as the other no not not particularly i uh, think there's maybe like one door that you can get through mm-hmm. as as chris that you couldn't um I, but, I yeah yeah i don't remember the exact differences i mean jill gets barry chris gets rebecca yeah. and there's like slight differences the main thing is that it's harder to play as chris yeah uh, and I, especially because it was like my first go at it and I had kind of decided, oh, like I should play through all three of the games. I was like, you know, I'm just going to move on. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, two is my favorite one out of the trilogy. Yeah, I, which I think most people agree upon. Two is two is that like perfect like mesh of like what three does and what one does yeah and but yeah i mean for a first time outing the first game does a fantastic job like the this i think just speaks to the talented people that were working at capcom at the time like just being willing to go out on a limb and try something new and in the process create something revolutionary well said uh so i think it's unless you have anything else i think we should just move into the next game let's go to two yes yeah, so let's move on to resident evil 2 resident evil 2 Thank you. 
I also have I have a joke. <laughs> What's the joke? Do you know what cap means? Uh yes. It's one of the few things I know from the youth. It the joke is um I forgot how I phrased it. It was like Bro, you gotta be a video game developer for the way the cap keeps common. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I came up that with that myself. I mean, I've always called Capcom Cap God. Uh, it was like a term people gave them because they just put out nothing but bangers for a long time. So they weren't capping though. Uh, sure. Let's go with that one. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I. I. I've heard cap, but I don't fully understand know the definition. Cap, I think. cap just means cap just means you're lying. Or like oh. that's, or that's like bullshit. You just go, someone's saying some nonsense. You just go, that's cap. Okay, I get yeah. it now. Uh, also, I, I, I like my brain is trying to process the cap. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's like splitting in two. <laughs> it's a I'm three split, letter word. <laughs> I'm splitting in two, like William Birkin and the G virus. I thought uh, it was the T virus. Well, the zombies in one ha are at the T virus. Birkin in two injects himself with the G virus. G virus. Gotcha. But the zon like the normal people are with the T. They took the Troon virus, <laughs> and then Birkin took the to Birkin took the, the gay, gay virus. virus. Yeah, that's the sub baby. Uh, so yeah, Resident Evil Two came out. Uh, January twenty first, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, also, I find it funny how like none of these games came out in, around Halloween. I want to point that out. Uh, yeah, you don't have to be held back from doing any like scary games <laughs> in the future. You should just fucking do it whenever. Yeah. Uh, but this was, and I think Matthew and I said this is probably our boat. This is our favorite. You know. Yep. It basically takes everything that they learned from the first game and just elevated it. You know, the the locations are much more varied. There's much more varied zombies. There's new characters. The story is much more grand and sort of crazy and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, Res I Resident Evil 2 is a fantastic game both it and its remake by the way the remake is on equal footing i think yeah so. i played i played most of the remake i think mm -hmm. and i i quite enjoyed it in a different way though than i did the original mm -hmm. so i guess fair enough fair question is what do you think of resident evil 2 the original i fucking love this game and this is the first game that i've ever i've ever experienced where like I felt like I was in shock, like my body was in fight or flight mode, like while playing it and afterward, like for for like a week straight, I was just like fucking whacked out of my mind and paranoid just like in the every day. And I would just put on like the soundtrack and drive around and shit. Mm -hmm. um, I think, well, one, like, the jump scares and here uh and like how loud they are and uh <laughs> accompanied with the music which is like so creepy like that main hall theme mm, you know, yeah with that with that sort of like um you know 
Yamaha DX7 like FM bell sound. It's like very metallic sounding. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it, it, it's a distinct sound, and it kind of stays with you. Oh, it's it's incredible, and like um, the atmosphere. Yeah, just uh, I don't know why I just felt like I liked a bit more in this game it had a sense of familiarity because yeah, like, you know, going to the mansion is a little cliched. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's the, it's the creepy mansion. Yeah. The fun house effect. Yeah. Like this had a little more of, um, like, yeah, I, I think when you said like action, that definitely makes sense. It has sort of that sort of leanings and tendencies. Mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was just super. This was scary to me, mm-hmm. but it was it was more thrilling than anything about like I felt a little more because I got my grounding on one. I felt like two. I was like, OK, let's like fucking do this, you know, and like, <laughs> let's let's actually like I'm excited to get through the game, but I'm also like, um, you know, I'm wary of like what's gonna happen next. Mm-hmm. Um and like you know, one of the I'll have to bring this up with three uh as well, but like one of the biggest like mind fucks for this game for me was like um so the beginning of the game, right? You have uh you know you basically get this crazy like car collision with a truck mm-hmm. and you know leon gets split up from from claire and and you need to make your way to the rpd hall mm-hmm. um, to the police station so you take this route um to get there you have to traverse through the burning city with the zombies and everything and then you finally make it to the front of the hall and like all right you know you're you're in the game now mm-hmm. and you yeah. know all the res all the resident evils of this first three like followed the same sort of similar formula where it's like you know we have all this beginning half and then it's like then you get to the lab and then you already kind of know what's going to happen like you you beat through the lab you beat the game yes but um it's a serious tradition oh absolutely um because <laughs> we, we have to we need to you know we're the good guys we got to defeat umbrella but <laughs> yes we do um one of the biggest mind fucks for me that lit, like sent chills down my spine was like I'd beaten this game and I was playing um I think it's like you start to play on the B file. Yes. And to get to the RPD hall, you go a different route. Yes. And you enter through the like the bottom of the staircase, like where there's like a security, you know, sort of room or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That was like the most mind fucking blowing thing. In my life was that uh, you have if you beat the game, a you know, Clara, a, yeah. Leon, a you have these expectations of like where everything is. You know, obviously they differ from from character to character, but. It was so bizarre, like, and re-entering the hall and being like, oh, my God, like, everything that I knew before has changed. Yes, it it, it completely disarms you. 
Yeah. You you thought you had mastered the RPD and then it's like, nope, you're starting from a new place. And the uh, that that was like the big selling point of this game was the fact that it had two playable campaigns with Leon and Claire. Yeah. And <clears throat> they had this they call it the zapping system where uh depending on like you know if you picked up certain items it would affect the b scenario and mm. there it felt like the game was like keeping an eye on you in the background mm. of that first playthrough and it then completely makes you have to rethink certain places and let alone the fact that leon and claire have their own big story beats where leon is dealing with Ada and her shady dealings and Claire has to protect uh Sherry. Yes. Um it's it it too no like and two also has like the sort of the like unique moments like the giant crocodile in the in the sewer. Oh yeah. Uh like it <clears throat> it raises the elements that were kind of hinted at in one and then they kind of they just took that to the next level. It's like, oh yeah, the first game had a shark. Oh yeah, well this has an alligator in the sewers, and you have to blow it up with like a gas canister. <laughs> like clearly, much more in the action, but it, it is keeping you on edge that whole time because like it could just throw something at you that you weren't expecting. And they introduce, you know, uh, Mister X makes his appearance in this game, the like proto nemesis back in the yeah. day, and he's a great addition, albeit he's underused in this. But they re- they rectify that in in Resident Evil Three. Uh, like there, but there's... I thought I thought he was a good amount though in two and like in three, it's just kind of like nemesis. It's just sort of like not to jump ahead, but I'm gonna jump ahead. It's just like That's fine. Nemesis in three at times just becomes like he appears and it's just like you can't kill him, so you're just running and you just need to like get to the next room to the next loading spot and like mm-hmm. um but also I completely forgot about like the most iconic thing about the Resident Evil games is like the door opening animations. Uh, yeah. Which the one, like the one would, place you're safe outside the safe room. It, uh, but 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 that like in Resident Evil 2 when you go downstairs outside to that like kind of boiler security room place and it's like the only time that you open a door and there's a jump scare yes like that literally you know that sent chills down my spine i was just like so like when i play this game it's not like a visible like you know when i get scared like i scream out or anything (laughs) but like i don't know if you've ever been scared and like the back of your head starts to tingle like that's the sort of feeling i get it's just like it's just like a shock um Mm -hmm. that shit fucked me up and you know i mean look like you know, is the actual like combating zombies like that scary? Not really. No, it's no. just like it's scary to know that a handgun takes like fucking eight bullets to kill <laughs> a zombie and you only have like twelve. Know, however many bullets is like you can only do so much. Yeah, it it's 
Resident Evil in a pure like one to one facing against zombies is that scary? Not a, not particularly. It's more about the situation that you're in is scary. It's like yeah, I'm running around with fifteen bullets in my inventory and there are four zombies in front of me. How do I maneuver? Do I take do I take some damage so that one of them gets knocked over? Or do I try to trust my abilities to weave around them hmm. to, you know, save on, you know, ammo? That way I can potentially down the road be in a position to fight more or, you know, tougher enemies. Resident Evil is all about put the the Resident Evil is all about situations being, you know, nerve wracking. Yeah, it's and also too like just sort of the extra details like resident evil 2 is where they really kind of amp up the sort of the you know to use the dreaded term body horror um where all these like monsters are now all these various new monsters you know particularly with you know dr birkin and his various transformations Hmm. to which he gets monstrous and you know disgusting by the end where he's just this <laughs> amorphous blob with eyeballs everywhere and like jagged sharp teeth and you're just your little old claire in your biker jacket and jean you know shorts and boots and you're just like this is you know i'm taking on this like monstrosity of science yeah. and i'm just like a teenage girl who is only here because she's trying to find her big brother chris and somehow you get tangled in into this you know nightmare situation it it's so well done on so many levels and it's kind of a miracle too because this game famously had to restart development two-thirds of the way through because uh shinji mikami deemed that it was not good enough (laughs) uh so there is a fabled resident evil 1.5 that floats around on the internet and oh wow i'm forever grateful that they decided to uh not go with that one because it looks much more boring yeah um and i will say of uh resident evil 2 introduces arguably the most famous and most beloved characters in leon um the pure-hearted I'm going to do everything by the book police officer Mm. and to which now you could argue he's the like main leading character of the franchise. Uh, Yeah. Even more than like Chris would be. Oh yeah. And and Leon just happens to be in like two of the best games in the entire franchise in two and four. Yeah. Claire, unfortunately, although I love Claire, but I would still pick Jill over her. If I'm being completely honest, fair enough. Yeah, uh, Capcom has uh, Capcom has a way with naming characters. You know, Jill Valentine, Claire, <laughs> Claire and Chris Redfield, Leon, <laughs> Leon S. Kennedy, Ada Wong. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, I, uh, another great addition to the franchise is Ada. Yeah. Uh, in later entries, they make her better, but like, I love that there's this like ambiguous spy for some 
undis unnamed entity. <laughs> She's just running around in a red, ch you know, as Zach and I said in our, on our Resident Evil episode, the racist red dress. <laughs> uh, I, I resin like two is where they really took their stride and they they had so many great ideas and they really just went for it and I think that this for the longest time was this was considered the best game of the franchise uh, so many people were clamoring for its own remake akin to one did mm. but it got a completely new reinterpretation of of the original with the remake from 2019 and i love the remake i don't know what you thought of it when you played that um i think like i am i enjoyed it but like in a di in more of like a you know uh like puzzle solving slash you know, I loved the like atmosphere and and uh, aesthetic experience, and it was very like, it was very satisfying to play, especially compared with what I was playing with the original. But it was far, it wasn't really scary to me or anything. I mean, um, the I am like you know forever stuck on the um, fixed camera. Like, that's just ultimately scary to me, mm -hmm. like m way more because like when I get that third person point of view following, mm -hmm. I, I don't know why. And especially the really high quality graphics, it, mm -hmm. like, it doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Mm -hmm. So it just doesn't get me in the same way. Which is completely fair. I mean, I I understand where people come from when they say like you know a remake can't fully capture the original and i can totally understand it in this case um it does do things different where it's now behind the shoulder instead of fixed camera angles like if if you're not like if you are someone who has a very deep personal connection to that old style then like the remake won't do it for you i think what sold me on two the remake of two is much like in the remake of one you could tell that they had a reverence and love for it and wanted to make sure that they did everything right and while at the same time making things better in some cases i don't think it's better than the original i would still pick the original over the remake but that does not mean like the remake is bad in any means it's a fantastic game uh I'm glad that it exists and it, it I think at the end of the day the remake only shows why the original was so beloved and so perfect. Yeah. Um and I mean granted again I said in the episode Zach I I the one thing I hate about the remake is that they like make Claire into a potty mouth. Oh, uh yeah. where she's like constantly swearing. I'm like okay, like I get it. Like she's She's, you know, she's a girl who says, bruh, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. she, she, she's one of the dudes driving her, her Harley Davidson. Uh, but nothing can touch OG Claire Redfield, where she's just like earnestly trying to help this little girl mm. find, find her parents and get her out of this literal nightmare. Yeah. That's the thing is like, Sherry's like, what, six or seven? 
and she's seeing like horrors behind beyond her scope of imagination and she's like taking it like a champ uh yeah. where you even get to play as her briefly yeah uh, of course um you know what's also like a pretty scary room is after uh it's that that's like the police chief's daughter right yeah i can't remember if it's his daughter or the wife yeah i can't, but, I can't remember the exact but i know the woman you're talking about but like in the original when you like go to his office and mm-hmm. then you like go through the back um i i think that's after his like he you like mutates i think right yeah he gets impregnated with one of the like g virus like embryos and you're like in this kind of back room dungeon like do you know the room i'm talking about Mm -hmm. and it's like all these fucking like rotten corpse disgusting creature Mm -hmm. like it looks almost medieval um i have to find it but it that was that was creepy um, but I think like the rest of the game and I think why it has like it just has a bit of momentum that like mm-hmm. propels you. It's like there's, you know, when that awesome like uh, alarm is going off in the, in the lab and like, you know, the clock's ticking and it's like, yo, we just like we just need to kill the boss and like get out of here. I think the I think the second ha- it has a really nice balance of like um Mm -hmm. the second half of the game it's like damn we have this like crazy ambiance and atmosphere in the hall and then it's like you get transported to this crazy futuristic lab and then it's like damn like let's just oh but sorry this is it's so funny talking about all these games because i feel like you know even though we wanted to go one two and three i keep like bouncing around um the part where you go to like the like what is it the shipyard and you take the train over yes that's super fucking cool yeah they they've they figured out how to do like atmosphere and they they had become confident competent enough with the pre-rendered stuff where they really could like really make it look grandiose mm-hmm. not in like not necessarily like in a scope sense, but like this is a location mm-hmm. now. Like this isn't just like it in a, a facsimile of reality. It's like, oh, this is like a place that could be real, sort of thing. Absolutely. Like, yeah, uh, the vibes were on full effect. Yes. And that's something I love about RE2 is that like moving the game into the city and like the city itself is like one big thing hiding the the vast network of umbrella this like nebulous evil corporation that's like got labs and stuff underneath the city hmm. and it, it it really adds just to this like whole as you said vibe that you feel from the moment you get out of that car crash and you're just like walking around running around and just like this feels like a huge place now. It's not just mm-hmm. tight quarters. Like I'm I'm not even safe 
in a city that's like ginormous because like raccoons i know raccoon city is supposed to be like in some large or in this like midwestern location but it feels like it's this like giant metropolis <laughs> well especially when you play three it, when you play three it, it has like you can totally tell that uh like sort of japanese imprint on it it's like when you're going through these narrow alleyways it's like uh it's it's got that like japanese take on the american mm-hmm. yes and I don't know about you, but I love when a J- Japan take does America because it can create some magical moments. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but in terms of two, like for sure, um, my favorite. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to think about. I don't. Do you have anything else to say about it, or? No, I mean, really, all I can say is that, like, I've I've already said a lot of what I needed to say, like, on Zach's episode. So I and you can and listeners can listen to that one, too, because that one's also us just like loving RE2 to death. So if you think you need more of me talking about this, go there and listen to Zach's episode and also listen to all of Zach's show. Anyways, <laughs> like, you know, come on now. Uh but I think we can just get into the final game if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's just do it. just just play RE2, like hands down, like point yeah. blank period or whatever. So let's get into the final game of the night, which is Resident Evil Three Nemesis. Resident Evil 3 Nemesis uh, came out September 22nd, 1999. Uh, in Japan, it came out November 11th, 1999 in America. It was the final game of this trilogy on the PlayStation. 
right before the PS2 came out. They squeaked in another Resident Evil game. Uh, and this is by at this point, Resident Evil was in full franchise mode. Uh, originally, Resident Evil 3 was under the code name Resident Evil 1.9 uh because it in their minds it was not a full-fledged sequel it was more of a spin-off uh because it takes place during the events of RE2 but then due to the fact that the original RE3 was uh way too ambitious and way too not like Resident Evil uh they decided that 1.9 becomes 3 mm. so we get this it's like a both a prequel and a sequel to RE2, where you play as beloved Jill Valentine as you play through her experience of the Raccoon City falling apart from the zombie outbreak. And this game definitely leans more and more into the action side of things, where now you have a dodge roll. Uh, you know, because Jill's gotten her police training, and she's you know, she's a hardened survivor of, of the Spencer Estate Mansion event. Uh, so what do you think about this one, Matthew? Well, and I know she looks kind of weird in the face, but she looks hot in this game. Yeah, with the her iconic tube dress. <laughs> Absolutely. The tube dress and sweater tied around her waist uh, and her big, like, cowboy boots. Right. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say like this game, uh, because I had been really deep on two and, you know, I look, I played all these, like, you know, it, it was like a month or two span. So I, I played them all back to back, which is pretty cool because I would imagine if you played this at the time and mm -hmm. you sort of like waiting for another year for it to like the game to come out, it might've thwarted some of that progress so i i binged it you know per se mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um it, yeah it three is interesting because it's like it's a numbered sequel but at the same time it doesn't feel like it it's it's like a side grade um not to say that it's bad like it's just unfortunately it falls in the footsteps of two and when you go from two characters with unique situations where you go back to one and you're kind of going through similar-ish areas of the game and there's just I don't know like I, I do enjoy three don't get me wrong it's just there there's parts of it where I'm just like oh that's an interesting choice you know or it doesn't hit quite like two did or even sometimes in like one does but I will I won't deny that like Jill as the leading lady is a captivating experience. Uh with her bumbling sidekick Carlos. <laughs> uh, and the like and the bad kind of like Mexican voice voice acting. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh hey lady. <laughs> he's the he's a ladies man. He you know, he knows how to woo this girl. Uh <laughs> Carlos is like he is like a footnote to me. He is he's a fun addition in this one, but I I really don't have much to say on Carlos. Let's just put it that way. Like um <clears throat> really the the star of the show is Nemesis. Like 
I mean, the fact that his name's on the box. Stars, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this they took the Mr. X concept from the original and just basically said, like, what if he chased you around the whole game instead of just <laughs> instead of just part of the game? Yeah. Which I liked. Now, granted, like you said earlier, there is there does become like uh like a rhythm to it where it's just like yeah, you can't you can't fully kill him early. You can down him and he'll give you special parts for upgraded weapons. But like you can't truly kill him early on or so a lot of the time it just divulges into running away and he is terrifying yeah. in the moment of like running away from him. Uh I wish there was just like a little bit more like spruced up, but I guess the 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 one way that they kind of remedy that is with the live selection uh, events where you have to pick what you do. That was the big thing about this game. It was that like, you know, split A, B decision thing and like, mm-hmm. you know, different timelines. It's like, you know, the, the original games sort of had a bit of that, like you were saying, for scenario B and stuff. But um this was kind of like in real time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, are you going to make the right choice or not? Yes, exactly. And hell, you can even just not choose something. And that's oh, a choice. Really? Yeah, you can you can not pick uh, a choice. And it does it because none of the choices result in Jill dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just means that like Nemesis will hit you, <laughs> which is like really funny. But uh if you don't make a decision, sometimes uh, basically what it will amount to is Jill is just forced to fight Nemesis. Sometimes uh, sometimes actually not choosing an option is beneficial because mm. you know you won't have to get into a fight or go somewhere. Like it actually is it's a gameplay strategy. So uh, it's an interesting idea and I do like it because it gives you reason to come back to play it, which granted all the Resident Evils so far we've talked and pretty much every Resident Evil encourage you to come back in some capacity, whether it's just to see a different campaign or to try to do better than your first time. So three, three is able to keep that like element fresh and new, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, for sure. Um, Like, I actually was just replaying it yesterday because um, uh, I want to shout out my friend uh, Michael because mm-hmm. he, he definitely had we bonded over Resident Evil a lot and he he's super just like I don't know there there's sort of an approach to the game that like I've already played through all of three of them mm-hmm. and part of me it was like kind of hard to make myself play it because it, it, like it just stresses me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like on edge. So I'm like, ah, you know, do I want to do this to myself? Mm-hmm. Um, but there it is rewarding, like sort of when you get into it. Um, but for three, I didn't like I and I'm still on it. Like I was seeing, oh, maybe I could just, you know, bang this out in one day. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I am just like walking around the city streets fucking lost. Like <laughs> backtrack because that game has a lot of backtracking, I think. Yes, it does. And yeah. as much as it is, it, it is cool that the game, pretty much most of the game takes place in Raccoon City. Like, 
I will say that it does kind of blend together at a certain point, and you're just like, wait, did I make the right turn? Am I in the right alleyway? Did yeah, I go in the right yeah, building? Totally. Like, No, that's happened so many times. Like, I was just like walking around for like half an hour, like thinking then, about what the right thing was to do. And then Nemesis shows up. Yeah, I mean, there was like, especially because I played him in order, there was a level of the game, like, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the game, but there's a level of like predictability that mm-hmm. happened um because mm. it's like you it was so much more pronounced in three when you get an item or you do something that it triggers a new state so yes. it's like that that happens so often it's like oh you grab this part when you walk through the next room like uh nemesis is gonna be there or yeah. <laughs> you're gonna fall through the ground and have to like deal with some sort of sewer monster yeah um, and like it's it was cool. Um and I do like the I do like the atmosphere of that mm-hmm. game. I, I loved like the first time I played it when you, you go to the hospital and then you go outside to that big garden. I think a lot of people think about like the uh, park I, garden, you know. Yeah, I always think about the clock tower and specifically uh-huh. like the clock tower is such an iconic location for me, which is sad because the remake didn't include it. They just showed it. And like they make you walk up to it, but they don't let you. There's not a level in the clock tower, which was extremely disappointing to me. Uh, oh yeah, the, the this is the one remake that's actually not better than the original. You you can't make an argument. The remake mm-hmm. of three is not good. Well, it's mm-hmm. it is fine, and you know, especially now when it's probably like ten fifteen dollars now, it is harmless to get now, but. They changed a lot of it. They changed a lot of the original and it did not work out for the best. Hmm. Uh, they really tried to do more action than anything. And they and they made Nemesis much more of a set piece monster boss to fight instead of like, oh, he's he could just catch me while my guard is down. Uh, yeah, the, the three remake is not the best and they they continued to make Jill like Claire in the remake series. They made Jill a potty mouth that I don't like. Uh, and I just took, think in, yeah, I'm and they took away her tube dress. Oh, yeah. Listen, the tube dress is important to the story. Maybe. I don't know. I just like seeing Jill in that outfit. <laughs> um, but I will have to say like, the biggest again i know i I sound so fucking hyperbolic when i want to (laughs) but it legit like all these things actually blew my mind when i was playing them was like especially with three i didn't understand the like timeline aspect of the game Mm -hmm. so i was like huh when is this exactly like taking place you know Mm -hmm. uh and the yeah the craziest shit was like when you're roaming the streets and then you enter the the police station again mm-hmm. yeah, and you get that that comfortable ch- music coming in the same fucking like, i'm getting the chills thinking about it now that was like the craziest mind fuck because i had been you know obsessed with two mm-hmm. and then and then i'm playing three and it's like 
it's like I'm going meta on it. I'm like, yeah. wait, what what game am I playing right now? <laughs> and like, you know, obviously there are things that are different, but it's like, oh, Marvin just died. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and then I'm like, wait, is this ha- is this happening at the same time as the other? I don't no. know why I'm t- I'm like tearing up. I'm talking about this right no, now, but no, it's like, uh... um, it's so incredible. Like you're playing it, and I was just so deep into two. Like I would you know, go to bed at night and my mind, I would be like in the police station. And then I'm like playing this new game. I'm like, wait, am I dreaming? Or is this actually part of the game? Um, Yeah, it was just, that was incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, that is the like, really, yeah, because the game takes place before and after two. Yeah. So like to get to see a location technically before you got there a game prior like it it's a very special little moment and you get like a little bit of context of what happened Mm -hmm. in the rpd and i feel like they did that too because they knew that the rpd was such a fantastic location this like former art museum turned into a police station yeah which is a cool concept mind you like it's really unique location set up but yeah like that whole segment is fantastic and it's probably for me my favorite moment outside of one specific thing in the ending uh where they gave jill the best one-liner ever to finish (laughs) the game with you want stars i'll give you stars (laughs) and popping nemesis in the head walking walking slowly and unloading like a a desert eagle into nemesis (laughs) and then she just pulls out like the final blow and gives that line it's my fate resident evil has its fair share of like one-liners uh to cap off the final boss yeah because resident evil despite it being like a horror game resident evil also thinks it's the greatest action movie of all time and like I think Claire Claire says in the like last game, she's like, you lose, big guy. Uh it's so <laughs> it's so, like it's so earnest and it believes in itself that it's like I too believe it too. Like I feel like Jill Valentine, this seasoned, you know, veteran, and I feel like I'm finally putting a you know, a stop to this like monster. It has been making my past few hours a, a pain in the ass. Yeah. And oh man, now I'm just thinking that one liner just like sits in my brain rent free and, <laughs> and I love it. Uh, what do you, yeah. What do you think though about like the narrative of the game or of these games, you know? Like, in all honesty, three is my least favorite story. One, I I love two. Like two is my favorite narrative. Like one, they don't really even give you much of a narrative. It's just no, sort of they, like, yeah. A, here's a setup, and then here's like the occasional cutscene to tell you like what's happening. Yeah. Like two feels like a proper like. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And they also thought of ways of how to interconnect Leon and Claire's story. Yeah. Three three is not like by any means a bad game. Like it's not like the story is bad. It's just like 
the 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 magic that two had is kind of missing in three and i i do feel like that's probably a result of the rush development i think if i remember my dates correctly this game was made in like just about a year yeah and and they and they thought that this game was just going to be a spin-off at first and then they suddenly like oh you're going to be a mainline numbered entry now uh and also, in case you don't know, that original wild, crazy concept for Resident Evil 3 eventually turned into the Devil May Cry franchise, mm. where there was going to be a new character who had super, like, mutant superpowers, who wielded guns and uh, had to inject himself with, like, steroids, more or less, to uh, fight off these, like, evil monsters. And it was all about looking cool while doing so. So they, in a in a brilliant move of hindsight, Shinji Mikami's like, this isn't Resident Evil, but it's, let's just give you, let's just make this a brand new game franchise. Yeah. So I, I love that uh, Resident Evil birthed the Devil May Cry franchise. Uh, this actually happened at least twice in Resident Evil's history where one game took forever to make and it's or no Resident Evil 4 took so long to make that they basically took two unused concepts and made two different games out of it so uh, I I just wanted to add like I because I had played a bit through 4 as well and mm -hmm. like I know people will hail that as like the best Resident Evil yeah but like I I played it, and I just did not like. It just In, felt like completely different, which it is, you know. And that is credited to the fact that the guy who was in charge of four, who was you know Shinji Mikami, he basically had gotten tired of the formula, and he's like, "All right, I can't make this work in the original formula. We're just going to do something new." And I totally, I totally respect that, but at the same time, I like. Do people think four is scary? Uh, I would say it, there are parts where it's like really nerve wracking. It's not like scary like the original trilogy was. Yeah, it's more like you're put in really tense situations. There, yeah. there, there are a handful of scary moments, but. Resident Evil 4 is more of an action game with like survival horror set like curtains as like set dressing. Yeah, exactly. Uh and it only got more and more action with 5 and 6, where 6 is just a straight up action game. There's like no no pretense of it trying to pretend to be like survival horror. It's an action game. Yeah. And six is also my least favorite one, and I hate it so much. Uh, it's it's not Resident Evil. Like you could argue that four and five, despite them being more action oriented, still felt like Resident Evil. Six does not. Six is not Resident Evil. It's it pisses me off. But thankfully, the series rebooted itself and went back to its roots. I mean, Resident Evil Seven took all, basically uses all the original gameplay mechanics but just does it in first person mm. and it's pretty good i love resident evil 7 is a great game if you haven't played that i recommend it yeah no that sounds like a cool concept and you know it's 
it's pretty welcoming to new like people who want to just take a look at it like it doesn't have a lot of the like resident evil lore and storyline attached to it hmm. so like you can play it as like a separate experience but it's a really cool game so i highly recommend it uh i recommend all of resident evil in in, in complete in all honesty i love this franchise like it's weird to think that like that the survival horror franchise is like my favorite one of my favorite franchises and it is a wholly unique little entity that is constantly like doing something different each entry mm. and yet for the most part it stays true to its identity and I love it so much like I, I can't I, I will continue yelling from the highest mountains about my love for this franchise. How do you think, though, it compares to something like Silent Hill? I'd say they're two different beasts. Yeah. One is much more... Uh, Resident Evil is much more of a, like, gameplay experience. Yeah. With, like, you, ca- you, you, you sign up for the gameplay and you stay for, like, the endearing characters and the sort of bizarro moments that the games flash like code Veronica having like Nazi incest twins. One of whom is like a tranny. Uh, You, you stay, you stay with resident evil for those bizarro moments, but like you come for that really engaging gameplay experience. Silent Hill is definitely like, you come for the atmosphere and the sort of psychological drama. Yeah. And they're, they're very similar. They both, you know, these early like silent Hill and the original resident evils, they both have tank controls. They both have puzzle solving. They both have thick, you know, silent Hills, not exactly fixed camera angles, but it definitely has a lot of them. So they, they're cut from the same cloth, but they do, very different things like they 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 try to achieve something different uh the but they go well together i guess you could say like one you know one on one hand i got like a pulpy uh like zombie movie game on the other hand i have my like psychological horror experience yep but at the end of the day i'm getting like two great survival horror games so yeah i think i guess to conclude this is that resident evil is a just a unique little entity and this this ps1 trilogy i think was like a really special moment in gaming you know these games all delivered on something that was brand new and fresh and exciting and scary and whatever and just like reliving it talking with you has been like uh it just makes me want to play the games again too yeah for sure it's and it's also been really nice to have like a fresh experience through your perspective on this because it's one thing talking about resident evil with someone who else has been with the franchise for a long time so it's been really nice to see a new perspective so i thank you immensely for that matthew well i'm glad to uh 
I'm glad you let me ramble. Oh, please, no! This show, this, is, this show, this show's second name is called the Rambling Hour. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this is a good. Show.